Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. You can see me okay. We're good. Alrighty. Did you notice we have you roped in so you can stay in the middle section only? Because we want to be close, right? It's good for us to be connected. Um, so can I get the, the head? I call it the Bieber mic, but um, it's coming? Okay, I didn't know if you had heard, so. All right, well, um, <coughs> so we, it's exciting. You know, summer's always good because it's just a different kind of a different change in terms of uh, connecting, you know, getting together more for barbecues and stuff. The hangout after is always great when the weather's good. And just always a good time to just be able to fellowship and get to know each other more. Thank you. Thank you. So um, take advantage of those times. If you can, invite someone over. And... um, Because there's so much that we receive from one another in those times. You know how many things are around mealtimes in the scripture? There's so much around food and around gathering together and around connecting together. So, so important to have those times. And in our culture, we tend to just, it's not conducive to that. When I've gone to like um, Colombia and most other nations, they're very family. They're very meals together. Um, It's unheard of to not eat meals together in terms of the family. Um, They just, mealtime is a time where everyone connects. And and so they just do that with one another just very easily. So we have to kind of force ourselves. I know for us, Sheila and I practice hospitality a lot. Um, We've practiced it our whole life because the Bible says to practice it. And the only way you can get good at it is by practicing and so you have to have people over to your unperfect house and <laughs> serve them your unperfect food. And, um, and it gets more and more perfect as you practice it more. People are like, oh, you know, you make it so easy. Well, I've done it for years and years and years. Right? And when you do it, you get used to it. But when we got into COVID and lockdown, even we were like, after we came out of it, you know, yeah, you want to get together with them, but it's like, oh, the work. I was like, I had to like, kind of get back into, oh, do I really want to have them all over and get them to mess my whole house up? And then it's like, come on, let's be honest, people. Okay, God knows our thoughts. <laughs> let's be transparent before him. And so, um, but it's worth it. It's worth it because the, the times you connect and the things you receive, you get from that time that you can't get from anything else. And people are like, oh, you know, online. And it's like, no, no. Online was okay, and it got us through, but it is not a substitute for meeting together. For seeing a person in person and look at them and say, you need a cookie. You need a cookie. And to give them a cookie, right? And, and or whatever it might be. But, like, you can't do that online and on Zoom. You know, 
Natalie would eat food in front of us on Zoom, and it was always good chocolate-covered almonds or something, and all you could do is watch, and you weren't allowed to share them. That was mean. <laughs> but, I mean, that happens. But when we're together, there's just, a, a, so I just want to encourage you, you know, take this time and, and wherever their opportunities are to be able to do that. How many want to grow in their faith? How many want to have great faith? You know, this is what it says in Hebrews 11. It's talking about the hall of fame. Uh, that whole chapter is talking about all the different ones in the Bible and how they conquered by faith. It was Noah and Abraham and and goes on and on. And then it kind of wraps it up and it says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of, of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. And by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. This is what people of faith can do. Amen? Amen. And I could go on and on about all these different stories. They're all connected to a story. And then it says, and it says, and women receive their loved ones back again from death. So even death is conquered by faith. And so this is the faith that we have, and this is the faith that we can grow in, and this is the faith that we can increase in. And so I'm not going to give you a 10-step principle on how to grow your faith because we've gotten enough of that through the years. I'm going to throw one out at you that came to me, and it's like this is actually the apostles were asking, Lord, show us, and it's in Luke 17. Uh, we're going to start at verse 5. So the apostles were asking Jesus. They said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. How many know that's a good thing to ask? Like, they knew this guy had faith to stop storms. This guy had faith to feed multitudes and cause food to multiply. They knew this guy opened blind eyes and deaf ears. And, and he had faith. This was all done by faith. And they knew that. So they said, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered. And this is a very interesting answer. And I've been chewing on this for a while. And I don't know how much I'll get, be able to break it down and, and get uh, it out. But we're going to go there. So he says, he says, first of all, he says, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed. How many know a mustard seed is very small? So in other words, it doesn't have to be big. It just as small as a tiny little mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So let's stop there before we read on. So he's saying here, look, it takes something very small, so it, it, it doesn't have to be big. Your faith, I can use something that's very, very small, and I will make you do something. It's like, why would a mulberry bush be, you know, going into the ocean or whatever? He, basically, what he's saying is, look, I'll transcend all the natural laws. You'll be able to do things like that. And it's not going to make sense, but there's a lot of things. Raising people from the dead when you're supposed to be dead is, goes against natural law, right? And he's saying, here, look, 
this is what you have. This is the kind of faith you have. It transcends every natural law. And will even transcend even things that, that make sense. God's going to have you into those types of situations. So he says, that he's, he's laying the foundation of that. Then he says here, this is very interesting. So then he says, verse, uh, I don't know what verse it is because I, it's not showing me here. But it says, when a servant comes in, okay, uh, from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? Does he? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does, this, does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Wow, that's an interesting way to increase your faith. Talk about... It's like, where did this come from? And this perplexed me for a while, and I'm like... It kind of seems a little bit like, oh, that's kind of mean. It seems mean. But when you look at the scriptures and you look at the accounts and you look at people who actually did something by faith, they actually had to come to this place of, it's not buddy-buddy anymore. Although he's a father and he's loving and we, we should be able to be close to him, he is dad, we are not. We are the child. And there is a, a degree of separation that comes from that. I'm a parent. I'm not a buddy to my children. I'm their parent. There are some things in life, baldness and gray hair has got me wisdom that they need to hear, that they have not lived through. And buddy, buddy, you know what? No, we're not on the same even playing field. I've got some bumps. I've got some knocks. I've learned from some things. And we, let's multiply that by a quadrillion for God who knows everything, created everything. He is the uncreated God, and we are the created. It's not a buddy, buddy. It's not a, oh, didn't you thank me for doing that? No. That's what you were created to do. Do it well. And what happens, and this is over our culture, entitlement. Oh, I deserve this. I deserve the best. God, you've got to do this for me. It's mine. And it's this whole thing that just, ugh. It's like we deserve hell, people. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All. We deserve hell. It's only because of the gift.
that was extended to us by someone who made the effort when we couldn't make the effort, didn't want to make the effort, or never could make the effort. And we need to remember that. That's who we're coming to. That's who we're serving. That's who in everything that I'm doing, I'm doing it from that perspective. Not today, oh yeah, I got this one. It's mine. Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, no. No. You are a servant. And we are to look out for what he wants first. It's not what I want. You can live that way. We have freedom of choice. We can. But if you want great faith, if you want to increase in faith, if you want to grow in your faith, you can't stay there. You can't. People are like, I'm not growing my faith. Well, maybe you're living your own life. Maybe you need to look at that. Maybe we need to examine some of these things. And I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm not thinking I've laid everything down. No, I haven't. We're working through these things. We have these attitudes. We have these things that creep up. But in the midst of it, God is trying to do something different. And he's saying, look, I want to increase your faith, but we got to come down to a base level here. we got to figure this out. So this disciple, well, one of them, let's go to, let's go to, to, to uh, Peter. Um, let me see. It's uh, Luke 5. We're going to start at verse 1. <clears throat> We're going to look at this with, with how Jesus brought these people to a, a base level. And, and it, it requires us to come to a point of, and I believe all of us do it when we, when we receive salvation, but I think we pick up things along the way. We realize when, I know for me, when I got saved, when I totally dedicated my life to Jesus, I knew I was trash, I knew I'd messed up my life, and I knew he loved me even when I didn't love myself, I hated myself, but he loved me back, loved me to himself, and he brought me something that I couldn't get myself. So I was grateful, grateful, grateful. But then you know what? We started getting strong, we're like, yeah, I got this area of my life, and I got this, and you know, this is good, and, and I've got this, and and this is good, and we become like that, that you know, the, the parable of the, the, the righteous, rich um, man and, and the poor guy, you know, where, I, I, you know, I know how to pray, and I, we, we get all these where we've built up and we think, well, we've attained something. And yet God commends the guy who's beating himself outside. It's like, I'm not worthy of any of this. I'm not worthy to have any of this. And we, there, there comes a place where we, we've got to realize, and I think, you know, people that have had stuff stripped away from them and have had to come to that place, it, it's a place of freedom that doesn't come any other way. And we either will do it willingly or either we fall on the rock or the rock will fall on us. So we got to take our, our, we got to pick. I think I want to fall on the rock, 
it's, you know, I'm not really good at it, but like it's hard to do sometimes, but falling on the rock is better than the rock falling on you. But God is not going to bring certain things and, and bring certain faith unless we come to that place. And Peter had to come to that place. And it, he, let's go here to Luke 5. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Um, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So I want us to just see something here. Jesus knew this was Simon's boat, okay? He got into Simon's world. And he was like, I'm going to get in this person's world. You know, obviously, he knew he was going to be his disciple. But that's our first step in reaching any person. We have to get into their world. You know when we're going out and doing the street evangelism? It's just getting out there into people's world, especially hurting people. We've got a lot of hurting people uh, down there. And being able to just be that loving person, to just be there, and even to just hear and then be able to ask God to speak something into their life and, and just, you know, they might be ready for salvation, but they might, it might be just the seed that's planted. We might be watering something that was already, but we're there. We're getting into their boat. And Jesus got on Simon's boat. And so then it says he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. So first of all, he's teaching these people. Simon has to watch. And he's listening to these words of life. He's listening to this guy who, you know, people are like, the, the crowds are around him to the point he has to get out on a boat because they're going to mob him. So he's listening to this man. And then it says here, then he, he says, now go out where it is deeper. Or he says, um, so he's, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Now, he, he ministered to the heartfelt need. This is an evangelism training, okay? For all of you who can't make it for Tuesday night, you minister to the heartfelt need. The Spirit of God will show you, and Jesus already knew it. He was like, these guys worked all night. He already knew it. And, and, and Peter, you know, he's a professional fisherman. So here's this teacher who doesn't know anything about fishing. He's a carpenter. And he's like, put your nets out. And Peter starts to give him advice. But then I love this. He says, but, look at your neighbor and say, thankful for this big but in the Bible. <laughs> but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. If you say so. Again, this is the breakdown. Not my will, your will be done. I'm not in control of my life anymore. There's something more, and you've got it. And I'm a servant. You're my master. So he did. It says, and this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus 
and he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. How many know it's his kindness that brings us to repentance? It's his goodness. It's knowing, God, you are God. You are in control. And when I honor you and obey you, you can do anything. And he realized this. And he realized, for he says that he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James, John, and sons of Zebedee were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. So he gave him a new destiny. He said, look, you're already, you already do the fishing thing. Now you're going to fish for people. It's like David. David, you're already shepherd sheep. Now you're going to shepherd a nation. Joseph, you already ruled in Potiphar's house. And you already ruled in the prison. You're going to rule Egypt. It, why? Because that's what they were created to do. I'm your servant. I'm only doing my duty. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing what God has done in that person, how God works in that person. But each one of us have a duty. Amen? Our master created us, and it's good. And he hasn't disqualified us. And it says here, um, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I want you to know that's pretty extreme. That's like, okay, they were like, the master. How many know their faith increased? And their faith increased. And their faith increased. But why? Because they let God do that work. Some of us, we're staying stuck. And we hit a certain point. It's like, you know what? Only, you only go that far, God. I'm chief here. I'm chief in this. I'm chief in that. We hit a certain point. If we get honest, we don't have that attitude that grows our faith. That I'm just your servant. We're offended by how certain things happen. We're offended by how God did this or did that. And it's like, we don't have that right. We commit it to God. We cast that care upon him. God's responsible to work that through, but we can't carry that. We're not entitled to, this should happen, this should be, you know, it's like, no. <laughs> we can't carry that. We're servants. He's our master. And you know, others in the Bible have, have faith. You know, we're going to go to the Romans, Roman officer here. Um, we're going to go to um, Luke 7. And Jesus commended this faith of this man. And the thing about having where our life is yielded in every area and we let God work and we understand his principles, there comes a freedom in our life where we don't have to try to make everything happen. The one thing that God spoke to me coming out of COVID is just get out of the way. Get out of the way and open the gate for me. Because the, the, the good shepherd, we, he's the gate. We, we open that, and we lead people to, to him. He's the one that leads them. 
He's the one that speaks to them. He's the one that shows them those things. But so many times we want to be that one. We want validation from everyone. We want to have, you know, everyone. It's like, no, we, we need to just get out of the way and we need to point them to Jesus. We need to make sure they're drawing on him. We need to be that one that coaches them to, did you hear his voice? What's he saying to you? Not be the one that's always having the tutor horn and say, you know what, this is what. It's like, no, let them hear him for themselves. My sheep know my voice. And this, this, um, this gentleman here understood this. It says here, when Jesus had finished, are we there? Um, Luke 7. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. Now, we have to understand in the culture of this day that Jesus was not supposed to go into any homes of any Gentiles, anyone who wasn't Jewish, you were considered unclean. We were unclean, all of us Gentiles. He wasn't allowed to go into these homes. He wasn't allowed to minister any of this. It was for the children of Israel at that time. Until Jesus paid the price and cleansed all of us with his blood, he wasn't supposed to be doing that. So this Roman officer knew that, but what he did was he respected the God of the Jews so much that he even built a synagogue for them. So they were like, he honors you. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. For I am not worthy of such an honor. So, Jesus is already coming. He's built the synagogue. He could have had this, you know what? I built this synagogue for them. Yeah, he's coming to my house. Hey, everyone, Jesus is coming to my house. You know, he could have had that attitude. He did a lot. When Jesus was coming to his place, but he understood, he understood the holiness of God. He understood something about why they had to have, be separated to God and the whole sacrifices and and he knew he wasn't worthy and he wasn't allowed to have that honor. And he respected that. And it says here, he says, I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. So this, this Roman officer understood a principle. The very thing that Jesus was trying to get, get to his disciples 
and, and that whole understanding of, look, we're under authority. That's what gives us authority. Even Jesus himself didn't do one miracle apart from his father, apart from being surrendered to doing exactly what his father wanted him to do. He went to the cross because it was an obedience to his father's plan. It wasn't like, I'm going to just come up with this. and No, he was under that authority. He understood it. And so this officer, he understood this principle. And Jesus was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Wow. He was looking for it. He was looking for this faith. And here, a Roman officer, a Gentile, is already walking in that faith. Why? Because he understood the principle. He understood and respected God in a way that was needed for that faith to grow in a powerful way. And he, when the officer returned home to the house, his slave was completely healed. How many know that's a good officer that even goes to that extent for a slave? He respected even his common worker. He was a very honorable man. But this faith, and when it comes, and how it comes, it can come in situations where, like, look at David. David was the water boy. He was out in the shepherd's field, and his brothers are off to war. I'm just reaccounting the, the story. You can look at it for yourself later. But, you know, it's, his father said, go, go get your brothers some lunch here. And he loaded a wagon up for him. And David goes out there, and he sees, you know, all of his brothers, everyone hiding and in fear. And he hears this big, huge guy spewing out and defying the living God, just blaspheming God, belittling the people of God. Just going on and on. He was just coming to bring lunch. But what happened? What happened? He started to get, oh, who is this guy who is defying the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? He is an uncircumcised, meaning he is not in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. Bring him on. Boom. Like that. Why? Because he honored God. And when he heard something that was not honoring God, when he saw the, the people of God in fear, it just rose up in him. And faith rose up. We're like, oh, I hope I have enough, I hope I have, hope I have enough faith. The only way that faith comes is by you absolutely honoring God, living for him every day of your life. When it's there and when it's needed, it'll be there. But if you're walking in entitlement and you think God owes you this and God owes you that and you're holding a fence for this and holding a fence for that and, and you got a chip on your shoulder for this and so, you know, someone says, well, I'm balanced. I got a chip on both shoulders. Yeah, that, gets, that does make you balanced. But like, we got to get rid of all that stuff. 
and say, no, I am an unworthy servant, and I just need to do what you've called me to do. The end of the life, like Aaron said, well, not Aaron, the scriptures say, you came in with nothing, guess what? We leave with nothing. And God put a deposit in us that we are to empty out of us while we're here. And when we lose that, and when we stop that, you might as well be dead because you're a walking dead person because you've stopped giving what God put in you. And serving your master. And we don't want to get there. And, you know, there's another lady here I want to look at in Scripture. She was denied, and Jesus was like, he was ministering to the children of Israel. Let's look at it in Luke and Mark 7. It says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He went, he didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. So right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. How many know that's a pretty legitimate request? Okay? <clears throat> Since she was a Gentile, born in uh, Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. How many know that could be offensive? Especially in Canadian culture. Right? Oh, that's not very nice. Jesus was being truthful. That was his mandate, was to minister to the children of Israel. But guess what? When you are completely surrendered, broken down to nothing, and you're just reaching out for God, you'll find a way. And so this is what she did. She says, she replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. So in other words, she pulled on her dog rights. She's like, if you're calling me a dog... I'll pull on my dog rights. I'm going for the dog rights. And you know, there's some situations that we're going to be put in. There's some things that are coming, and there are some things where you've just got to grab a hold of whatever is there. And instead of running away, we get offended. We're like, oh, 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 oh. You hurt my feelings. And we go on and on and on. It's like, no, keep moving forward. Find what God can do in the midst of it. This woman was like, my daughter's getting healed. I don't care how it's coming. This guy can do it, and I'm going to find a way. Don't get in the way of a mama and her child. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't. And so she's like, even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. And look at this. Jesus said, good answer! <laughs> That's a good answer! He says, now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. 
And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Amen? Again, this was just, she was a nobody. She should not have even have had this miracle. It was not really allowed. But she was like, no. And she just pressed in. She was like, no, I'm, this is mine. I'm going to get this. And so, this is the faith that Jesus was talking about. It's like when you understand, I serve the God of the universe. I serve the creator God, the uncreated God who's created everything. He's created me for a purpose that I'm going to do, not because of for you, not for anyone else, because he created me for it. And I am an unworthy servant that I need to just do my duty. I don't need validation from the whole world. Great, it's nice if someone thanks me, but you know what? What if my master doesn't thank me? I'm just doing what I was told to do. Because he's worthy. He's worthy. When we come into this place, when we gather together and we lift our voices, we lift our voice because he's worthy. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. It has no bearing on that. I was so feeling-based when I first went to Bible school when I was 18 years old. I wore my emotions on my sleeve. Oh, I was... And, and that was one thing God had to teach me in Bible school. I lived on campus. We had worship every morning, and, you know, some mornings I didn't feel like it. And I lived with a roommate that annoyed me, and we fought so much. And it was like, God was like, here's the... Iron sharpens iron. And I would come into... And we had this prophetic worship leader... And he would, like, know exactly what was going on. And he was like, there's someone here, and God's dealing with you. And he'd just read my mail, on, and I'm like, it was like... And, but I had to realize, you know what, God, you're worthy. And I'm getting off this feeling roller coaster, and I'm coming because you're worthy. And I'm setting my heart to you because you're worthy. I'm giving you my best because you're worthy. It doesn't matter, and, you know, you just have to start pulling yourself out of that. Because the world is just like, oh, you know, you're the best. You, you know, uh, you deserve that. You're such a good person. You deserve that. Oh, you deserve the best of this. And you deserve the best of that. Why am I mocking it? Because it's created selfish people that live for themselves. They're their own God. And it's creeping into the church. And you got awards for worship leaders. It's like the similar to the Emmys. Like, what do we need all that for? You're doing it for God. How did that creep in? There's, there's all these things and it just slides in. I'm like, why is my faith not growing? Why? Because maybe we've picked up all this stuff along the way. We need to just throw it all off again and say, you know what? I'm just an unworthy servant. Break it down to the bare bones again. Let God strip those things off of us. Just because I want to have faith 
that brings a change. Amen? Not faith that just does something periodically. Faith that brings change. Faith that increases. You know, this is what it says. This is the kind of faith Jesus is looking for in the end times. And, and again, this is Jesus. And he's telling another story. And he says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. So how many know that's a pretty important thing if he's telling them this, like that they should be praying and never give up? He says, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people, not the world, his church, his people, who cry out to him when they feel like it. Who cry out to them when it's convenient. who cry out to them when it's conducive to be able to do it with others. But if I feel uncomfortable, I'm not going to do it. Who cry out to them when it fits in their schedule. You come down to mine. I'm not going to come up to yours. No, who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. I don't know what as quickly is because there's some things that we're crying out to you for, but as quickly is a little different than our quickly. But the one thing is, he does do it. And this is what he says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? How many will he find that relentless God, give me justice. God, avenge me of my adversary. This stands against you. David had that, and that's why he defeated Goliath. And he defeated, why? Because he knew the God he served. And he was his servant, but he knew that his God would, would fight on his behalf because he was fighting the battle of the Lord. And we, we gotta, we're coming into some things and it's like the, the enemy is trying to shut up the church, trying to shut this down, trying to distort this and distort that. And what we have to be is that clear voice that stands up and says, no, this is who God is. If you don't like it, 
you don't have to take it, but this is who he is. Don't distort him. Don't change him. Don't change his ways. Don't change his design. Don't change his plan. And we've got to be bold about that, and we have to be relentless about that. And those things that are coming in and attacking it, and attacking our children, and hitting different things, and tearing down their mindsets, we've got to contend with those things. We've got to allow God to work in those situations and stand up for what he upholds, regardless of what comes our way. And God will get us to do different things, but I want us to, to end with this, because this faith that he gives us, yes, it's given to conquer all kinds of things, but it also gives us the ability to stand through things even when it doesn't go our way. And it says here in Hebrews, we're going to end with this one, in Hebrews um, Just one sec. I know I put it at the end. <coughs> I might have to look it up. Oh, yes. Thank you, Daniel. He's got my back. Good man. It says, but others. Okay, this is the others. So we know women receive their dead back to life. You know, kingdoms were subdued. But it says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from their God in order to, to be set free. Pause there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everyone bowed, Right? They wouldn't bow. Entire nation bows. What do they do? They come up to this boiling hot furnace, so hot that it burns the soldiers that they heat it up for. You see them get fried. And what did they say? They said, you know what? We still won't bow. Even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow. Like that's the resolve they had. It says here, they're refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Next verse. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Isn't this an encouraging word? Guys, you know what? If it happens, you can't say I didn't tell you so. I'm preparing you for the worst. I'm not letting you live in floatsy world. I'm letting you know, look, we, if we're going to, the Bible says if you build a house, you need to count the cost. This is it. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. I don't know which one I would Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats destitute and oppressed and mistreated. You know, our internet went down for a day. It was like, ah! 
<laughs> oh, the sky is falling. It's like, guys, we could be in Ukraine. Like, we could be in Iran. Like, we live in a bubble that, like, there are believers that are standing, they are oppressed, and they're living through this, but yet God is right there with them. He's the God that brings all comfort. He's giving them power to endure, and he gives them grace to, if they have to, their life has to be ended. There's his grace. He is right there with them. That's the same power. We're like, oh, of course we don't want this to happen. It's not like we look for it. But sometimes it looks for you. And it's seeing, what are you going to do when the rubber hits the road? Where are you at? Who's your master? Who truly are you serving? Because in the end, if we're emptied of ourselves and we're like, no, I'm an unworthy servant. I'm just doing my duty. I'm doing my duty. I love this. They were too good for this world. You know where it says the first will be last and the last will be first? Our measuring standards, you know, people we think, oh, the superstar will be in the front. They're probably going to be scrubbing the toilets in heaven. And these ones that were like, destitute and in the deserts and oppressed and they're going to be way they're going to be totally elevated god's going to be honoring them with the because they were too good for this world whole different standard well we'll see when we get there right (laughs) who knows but i know that god has a whole different measuring standard they wandered over deserts and mountains hiding in caves and holes in the ground All these people earned a good reputation. Why? Because of their faith. So they did it in faith. The ones who conquered, because this is all in a lump shell. This is not just the, the, the last part I was focusing on. All the ones at the beginning that I talked about, that subdued kingdoms and and did great exploits, shut the mouths of lions. All of those did it by faith, but all of these others did it by faith too. They did it by faith. They did it to honor the one that they served because they were unworthy servants just doing their duty. And yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Isn't that interesting? All of us are dependent on the plan of God. Not one's elevated above the other. It's like we all will reach this together. God's plan is with all of us. Amen? And each one of us has our part. And that's why comparison's so dangerous. And we've got to not allow that in at all in any way. It's like, no, Jesus is the one we're serving. He's our example. He's our standard. We follow him. And we don't compare ourselves with anyone else. Amen? We're just servants doing what we need to do. Each one of us doing our part. Amen? And so let's let him increase our faith. Let's let him um, cause 
our, our faith to, I don't know how to, it's like that, that, the, the widow. You know, a widow, he uses the example of the widow for that example of, of, of faith, the faith that he wants to see. A widow is vulnerable. She's very vulnerable. And you have an unjust judge who's not listening. So how many know sometimes God feels silent? There's some things you're bringing him and petitions. You're like, God, are you, are you even alive? Or sometimes it's like, do you even hear? Anyone feel that way sometimes when you're, when you're praying? Sometimes some of these petitions and it's like, and you almost just want to stop. It's like, no, you know what? On that one, I'm just giving it up. Or I got a teensy-weensy little prayer <laughs> for it, but it's not this day-and-night prayer, and it's like, God, you got to do it. God, you got to do it. You, you lose that. You, you know, God, you can do it. God, you can do it. And, and the enemy just wears you down. Wears you down. It's a slow fade. Wears you down. Wears you down. And it's like, no, we got to... And yeah, if you feel very vulnerable and you feel very, very much like you're going against the odds. But you've got to say, no, this is what God says. This is the one that I serve and this is what he says. And, and this can't stand in the way of him. David, when he rose up to Goliath, each one of them that conquered, they, that rose up in them. God, well, let's let God put that back in us. Amen? Because he can. Why don't we, let, we're going to just close with, with some worship quick, but I want us to just, um, exalt. isn't enough the Bible says like Paul said I die daily it is a continual yielding of ourselves because life brings things that we can always pick up something like you know when I was just me serving God that was you know easy easier then when I got married then I'm concerned about my wife and I have to lay her down and I have to be, you know, trusting God with her. And then, of course, you have your children. And, you, and then you have to trust God with those. And there's so many things you can pick up along the way, right? And take ownership. And it's like, no, they're God's first. They're, they were created in God's image, in God's design. He has a plan for them. They're his first. I am a steward. I am a steward of everything. I don't own my house. I don't own my car. I'm a steward. They're stolen. <laughs> I'm a steward of what God has given me. I'm a steward of every dollar he puts into my pocket. How am I honoring him in a way that would please him? I'm a steward of my talents that he's given me. 
How am I using them to benefit others? And then, you know, then you get, you get grandchildren. And they're really hard to give to the Lord, right? It's like, but each one, each step, it's a new surrender. It's a new recognizing, you know what? I came in with nothing and I'm leaving with nothing. And everything that I have, God, you've given it to me. And how am I honoring you, my master, my savior? How am I honoring you? Because in the end, that's all that's going to matter. Not what I did on my own devices. Not what I figured out in my own way. You know, you might have successes on different things, but in the end, what's it pointing to? You could have prosperity, but what's the purpose of the prosperity? If it's prosperity without the purpose of God, it's useless. So you got money. You get to enjoy some things for a while. I want to enjoy it where God's in the center of it. Where everything that I have has his fingerprints on it. Where I can enjoy it because it was something he gave me. And all I, and when, when it's time to let it go... I can let it go. Why? Because freely I received, freely I gave. This is where God wants us to be. This is what God wants to do in us. Because then he can move things around. He can shift things around. He can adjust things. He can quickly do this or do that. Why? Because we are willing to move. We're willing to, to change. We're willing. We're not holding on to these things anymore. Thinking we're entitled to this. I deserve this. No, no. You're an unworthy servant. Just doing your duty. He's good. He's a good master. We need to trust him with our lives. But there's sometimes in the process, we don't understand certain things he's doing. But he is doing something good. He always does something good. Even in the bad. So I want us to just exalt him. And I want us to give everything to him again. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.